holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Ramsey gol. Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, goodly morning to you, or should I say, Buongiorno? No, I shouldn't, <laughs> should I? Uh, well, well, I don't why know. Not? They won't be saying Buongiorno in Naples, will they? And that's uh, that makes it a goodly morning for us. Exactly. So. They'll be extra, extra unhappy in Naples this morning. The pizzas yes. today just won't be quite as amazing as they normally Someone's are. Someone's pissed on their pizza, very much so, and it was us. <laughs> Hurrah! From throwing pizza to urinating on pizza, we are the kings of pizza-related japes when it comes to football. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I'll tell you what, by the way, the pizza what? at the Emirates Stadium is not great. Oh, I, well, I, hang I, on a minute. What? What the fuck are you expecting? Uh, it's pizza. Something that was like pizza, but it's very... I would describe it, and I don't know if anyone else... Uh, like me, has in their desperation been forced to eat it because they've arrived at the game without having had f- food. But it's very cardboardy, you know? Mm, imagine, imagine pizza in a football stadium is not that great. I'm very shocked to hear this. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I can do the rest no, no, of the podcast I, I, here. I'm just so I'm <laughs> absolutely flabbergasted by I, this information. Well, I presume they would have flown in, you know, the finest chefs from Naples to to produce it for us. But I don't, I don't mm. think that's quite what happened. Maybe at club um, level, the pizza. Anyway, a bit I thoroughly, despite that, despite that, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. Okay, that's good. It was a very enjoyable night, I have to say, from a, a footballing point of view, and it was good to see some people back in the starting lineup. Lucas Torreira and Lauren Koscielny came back into the starting lineup. Uh, I, I thought maybe he might make another change or two along the way, but when I thought about it, when I thought about the fact that we've got Watford on Monday night, you know, was he going to rest Mesut Ozil tonight? Uh, I don't think he was, so Ozil was always going to play. Torreira back into midfield, I think, was really important for us on the night. Um, mm. You know, he and Ramsey worked very well together, but I, I just think... When he's in the team, we have someone who can win the ball back and win it really often. You know, he gets yeah. makes all these little uh, nicky tackles. You know, he, he just grabs the ball off somebody and gets us going again. And all of a sudden, we're going forward. They're on the turn trying to trying to get back. And it's sort of the momentum of that is obviously really positive for us. Um, and immediately you could see how things were different from Everton on Sunday, couldn't you? The way that we started the game, the way that that we were organised, we pressed, we harried them, uh, there was an intensity to the way that we played, uh, which wasn't there at Goodison Park. Yes, and I do think that a lot of that is to do with the centre of midfield. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not quite on board with sort of the... 
uh, scapegoating of Mohamed El Nenny and sort of deciding he's now completely useless. I, I was reminded last night that a year ago we were preparing to face Atletico Madrid, or a year ago or so, and I remember we lost El Nenny through injury, and I think a lot of people were quite frustrated by that. There was a lot of talk that he might be ideal to start against Atletico. He'd had quite a good run in the team, and I think we've now sort of discarded him like he's useless. I don't agree with that. But Do you, do you think, let me just ask you this, do you think maybe that El Nenny is an easier target than Matteo Genduzzi, for example, who, you know... I'm not being critical of the guy, but he was on the bench last night and our central midfield was really good. I'm not saying it's, you know, simply because he was absent. I mean, people will somehow say, you know, our defence was really good because Mustafi was on the bench. You know, he's a young man. He's still learning his trade. But and then he seems to me to be the easier target um, than Genduzzi. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I suppose what people feel about that is that Genduzzi has greater potential you know sure no i get and he that kind of is what he is now and genduzi's got the high yeah i i completely appreciate that but uh i i just am surprised i think it's really interesting how quickly people's minds can change on a player because mm. when El Nenny was given a big long-term deal at the end of last season i don't remember many complaints i remember people thinking okay yeah he's done pretty well and you know he when he got injured it was a considerable blow mm. anyhow Despite that, there it can be no doubt that Ramsey and Torreira, I think, are a class above both Ganduzi and El Nenny. And they showed that last night. And if Torreira's had a sort of stop-start second half to the season, I think this match was a real reminder of how good he can be and what a useful player he is for us. Uh, and as for Ramsey, I mean, it is uh, pretty galling. I know that he <laughs> is going and we just have to accept it, but... He's playing football uh, right now. I can't really remember him playing consistently at this level for quite a long time. Mm. I mean, it's always been in his locker. You know, the quality, I think, has always been there. It's to do with his availability and the fact that he, he is prone to muscular injuries and injuries that will put him out for, you know, two or three months at a time. You remember the opening day of the season a couple of years ago against Liverpool and he pulled a hamstring and he didn't play again until October. You know, it's those kind of things that, that have frustrated people. For me, it's never been about his quality as a footballer. He's always been a, a fantastic talent. And yeah, it is. it's very galling to, be losing him on a free um, I think there is perhaps an element of not short termism but you know when, when any player plays really well for a sustained period I do wonder if somehow we over egg the pudding a little bit you know um, of course yeah. in, in terms of what we're going to miss like you know if you'd said six months ago Ramsey's going for free at the end of the season. I mean, I wouldn't have been happy, but I'd say there would have been plenty of people who would have gone, yeah, so who cares? Whereas now they're, you know, they can see when Ramsey's put in a team and is, um, is put in a team in the right way, if you like, you know, in a way that gets the best out of him, uh, then you can see what a, what an excellent player he is and why it is, uh, you know, he's going to Juventus. He's not going to, you know, uh, some mid-table Spanish team or, uh, you know, some obscure German team. He's going to one of the best teams in Europe and, and he's showing us why. He really does seem determined, doesn't he, to make a mark be between now and the, the end of the season? Yeah, he does. And, uh, I mean, actually, I, I was thinking about this pre-match, but this was a great... Um, sorry, it just sounds like I'm doing a wee there, but uh, yeah. actually what's happening is my tap is inexplicably... 
leaking. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, we're sure. in my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems plausible, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, both our central midfielders had a real sort of, you know, obviously they want to win anyway, but for Ramsey, I think playing against an Italian team, you know, he would have known every Juve fan was watching him and they yeah. would have been really impressed by what they saw because I thought he was... Yeah, just absolutely fantastic. And I know what you're saying about the injuries, but I also think sort of tactically, mm. you know, getting him playing in this role as one of the deeper two, you know, that had a lot of problems for Arsenal at times. Uh, to be fair, when it ha- did work, it was with a back three behind it and it's working a treat now. And next to Torreira, I mean, that central midfield partnership was so good that when you look ahead to something like the Watford game, it's kind of tempting to say, well almost regardless of what happens with Granite Xhaka, there is a temptation to to stick with it because it was really, really effective. Yeah, I guess the thing that Emery has to weigh up, and we might touch on this later, I'm sure there's a question about it, is, you know, we talked about Ramsey and his muscular injuries and he's been nursing or, or circling around a, a groin problem since he was away on international duty. So if you play him Monday, can you then play him away from home in Napoli? You know, Monday, of course, is hugely important. I, you know, I don't know how much you can take into account uh, next week, I think you just have to focus on the next game. But realistically, he is going to have to to rotate his squad a little bit to make sure that you know uh, he keeps it fresh and that you know nothing untoward happens to a player who who could well be the difference um, in a big game. But you know he got the opening goal. Uh, I think he had a shot early on. Maitland Niles had a shot, both blocked by Koulibaly. But it, it was it was all Arsenal in the first ten fifteen minutes. I thought some of the football we played last night, some of the combination play was absolutely superb, not just uh, down the right-hand side, down the left-hand side as well with Kolasinac. Um, we we really looked dangerous, and that opening goal was really a beautiful move, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I think the other thing about that first 20 minutes is that I really felt like we were pressing Napoli. You know, we were working collectively. We had Ramsey and Torreira who were both able to kind of sprint forward from the halfway line and close people down. And we don't always do that. We don't always come out the blocks, you know, with that kind of intensity. We have been doing it recently in home games and we continued that here. And I really liked Maitland-Niles' run. You know, he picks up the ball in the halfway line, gives it, I think it might be to Ozil, then it goes out to Lacazette who when you've got those two centre-forwards playing as like split strikers, he's in a, a wider position. But Maitland-Niles, he drives in field and almost ends up as a kind of, in the centre-forward spot, really. And uh, I thought he did that really well on the night. You know, he, he went to the byline, but when he needed to, he came inside too. And uh, that, I think, shows maybe a little bit his versatility, a little bit how he's comfortable comfortable in other areas of the pitch. Yeah, and it was a really nice composed finish from Aaron Ramsey, which has been kind of his trademark of late. I mean, if you think back to uh, the, the Wembley goal against Spurs, where mm. he just rounded the goalkeeper, the neat left-footed finish we saw, was it against Newcastle? And then this one, you know, he's he's placing his shots and a bit cooler in front of goal and it's paying off. I mean, he's, he's been a re- pretty regular goal scorer of late. Yeah, well, I mean, you say that and of course there was that moment in the second half late in the game when he was set up by Henrik Mkhitaryan and he blasted it over the bar. Uh, we might come back to that in a minute though, but you touched on Maitland-Niles and I thought he was really, really good last night. Uh, as bad as he was against Everton, and he was, he was good against Napoli. You know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Is it a home thing? Is it an away thing? Is it just the inconsistency that a young player can have when they're in the early stages of their career? Is it fair even necessarily to judge 
Maitland-Niles singularly uh, on what was a collectively awful day for Arsenal. There were maybe one or two players who, who could come out of that game last week with their head held high. You know, is it fair to judge a young player in particular when the team plays that poorly? I don't think it is particularly fair. And, you know, I think after that game, I was quite measured in my criticism of Maitland-Niles, but he was really poor at Goodison Park. It's interesting as well. I thought Kalasnach was terrible at Everton and mm. much, much better in this game. I think the wing-backs were far more comfortable. I think that's partly because of the opposition that we played. And I think Everton looked to hit that space in behind the wing-backs quite quickly, quite early, uh, in a way that Napoli didn't. We weren't really as exposed on the flanks as we were at Goodison Park. And going forward, they were much better. Their use of the mm. ball uh, was a lot better. And, I mean, the sheer ground they covered was incredible. I mean, by the, by the sort of late stage of the second half, I was very worried about if Klasnach was ever going to get back every time he came forward because it was, you know, a real trundle back at that stage because he'd just given everything yeah. in some sprints to get forward. I mean, that is one of the issues with him, I guess. But. I think so, yeah. I mean, you could see in the second half when Napoli got back into the game a bit, one of the things that they did was target that our mm. left-hand side and the ball over the top of Monreal, uh, who's tucked in a bit, you know, alongside Koscielny as one of the centre halves, and with Kalasinac that far forward, there's space in behind. So if you can if you can play the right pass behind Monreal, which they did on a number of occasions, uh, which I think exposed Monreal a little bit, just in terms of he's looking a little bit leggy. I think um, in the last couple of games, that was where they had some joy in terms of creating space for themselves. For the most part, we defended the crosses and, and what have you well, but there are two big chances in the game. The one late in the first half uh, came down that right-hand side, didn't it? Uh, their right-hand side. And the yeah. one, well, I suppose it was about 70, 72 minutes into the game where the oh, guy... Yeah, that was a great job. How the fuck did he miss from there? I mean, thank he you very much. He wrong foot, Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really odd one, but I was, you know, that was one of those moments where I think everyone in the ground was like, oh, go. Yeah. We almost sort of celebrated it not going in. You couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was a very, it was a really bad miss. And to be fair, uh, you know, people talk about the the chances that we missed, and I'm not too hung up on those, to be perfectly honest. You know, I don't think there's an awful lot to complain about when you win 2-0 and keep a clean sheet at home, I'd rather go into the away like 2 0 up than 3 1 up. You know, so had, had Napoli scored, and I know physics takes hold and, and the game wouldn't have played out the same way, and that Ramsey chance wouldn't have happened. Uh, but, you know, I'd rather keep the clean sheet than let them score and score another one of our goals. So I'm not that worried about the chances that we missed. I'm far more invested in the fact that we didn't let one in. No. Also, also we had a big slot which went down as an own goal. Uh, it's a big old deflection and you know when you get a piece of fortune like that I think it's hard to have too many recriminations about oh you know we should have had another one but I think the clean sheet is more valuable than scoring an extra goal yeah no I, t I completely agree with you you talk about a piece of a little piece of good fortune with the um, the Torreira goal mm. the second Torreira goal which I accept however I think what we have to acknowledge is the way that Torreira worked in order to make that goal happen. I think he won the ball back in our half. Uh, it came forward and then he won it back again in their half, higher up the pitch, and he decided to take it on and, and have a shot. And I think 
the way that he plays really allows us to um, to play on the front foot more. He has this uncanny ability just to stick a foot out and win the ball. When it doesn't look perhaps like he's going to be able to, to get it, he is the guy who can just make it happen. And it, it makes such a difference. It really does. And, I mean, to be fair, we're talking about the pressing and the and the tackling, but it was a very nifty turn from Torreira as well. You know, he used yeah. that low centre of gravity, little drag back. And I like that he's not a purely defensive player. He likes to get forward. Wenger sometimes used to deploy Francis Cock. Class and why he's so high up the field. You know, he seemed to be almost the more advanced central midfielder. And Torreira, when he breaks forward like that and closes down defenders and closes down the opposition defensive midfielder, is so good at robbing the ball. And it's not the first time this season I think we've had a goal come from him winning the ball relatively high up the pitch. I just think, yeah, I was really, really impressed with him. And I think I've maybe been a bit guilty of. Um, sort of slightly overlooking his contribution just because he's been a bit in and out of the side in recent games. But something I think we really have missed when in a lot of the games where we've performed poorly away from home has been his ability to sort of protect the back four and dominate and marshal that space in the middle of the park. And I, I think that he can have a big role to play in the away games between now and the end of the season. Do you think he is going to be one of or the first name on the midfield team sheet, given that he's basically had four or five weeks off because of that uh, red card against Tottenham? You know, he he didn't play uh, at all or played very little during the interlull. He sat out the games that we've had, uh, you know, the, the way they've been spread out. So he should be fairly fresh and fairly recharged as we go into this final run of games, I mean, slightly worrying that he came off towards the end, he got some treatment, but I don't know if that was just a little bit of cramp or, or something like that, given it was his first game for four or five weeks. Maybe that's all it was. You know, he pushed himself very hard, but, you know, I, how do you view Unai Emery using him? I mean, he's got to do something to try and change and arrest the away form he is one of the players that he can use to do that. Uh, yeah, I think he will be more involved. I mean, he's only started 20 of our Premier League games thus far, so he's not exactly been a fixture uh, in a starting eleven. But I, I think that he looks a little bit fresher than he did a few months ago. I mean, I remember you know that very difficult game at Anfield and just thinking he looked exhausted around that time. Mm. Didn't seem quite capable of making those sprints that are so integral to his game, closing the space. Uh, but I think he does... I think he looks fresher now. Uh, he didn't play, did he, a huge amount when he went away with Uruguay. I think it was like an hour combined. I know there was a lot of travel involved. Um, so... I think he will have a really big role to play. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but whether it's alongside Ramsey or whether it's alongside Shaka, I do feel like he's someone who could help us, particularly away from home. He, he's, a, he's a great player and you've got to remember he's still settling into English football and still adapting and acclimatising. But I think come next season, he's going to be a massive part of things here. Because, you know, when we lose Aaron Ramsey, we are going to need people to step up in central midfield. And yeah. he's the one who I would look at and say, well, I think a lot more game time could be coming his way. Although he's not exactly the same kind of player, I think 
I think he's going to be pretty integral going forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's good to have him back and good to have him back at this point of the season with fresh legs because they're going to be so important given how many games we've got to come between now and the end of this month and hopefully going into to May as well. We could be playing right until the end of May. When is the Europa League final, actually? Is it the 20-whatever? Let's see. Europa League final. Fair on way. Um... 29th of May. Wow. 29th of May. So when's our last Premier League game? Is something like... Uh, let me have a look here. I don't know. Is the there last, a big old gap? Yeah, the 12th of May. So if we were to make the Europa League final, we've got two weeks, over two wow, weeks. T- time for another friendly with Al Nasir, I think. Yeah, some warm weather training. They could come to uh, <laughs> come over here to Ireland. We've got all the warm weather now. And genuinely, that is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's quite a big gap. Uh, it is, to sort of try and keep focused. I mean, we could be we could be trying to lift ourselves as well. You know, if we don't finish in the top four, it would be a big disappointment for the players. And mm. if we do finish in the top four, it's about maintaining the focus, um, you know, and not think that the the work this season has been done. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, so, you know. Can, yeah, we are. But just can I ask you on that, about yeah. the focus? You know, we talked about the mentality of the players against Everton and how we were concerned about it from a sort of psychological perspective. And watching the game last night, do you think the prospect of a trophy and, you know, and a final and not being that far away now, do you think that sharpens the players' focus at all? I think it probably does in some Mm. ways because it's a tangible reward for your efforts like Mm. you know i i don't doubt for a second that they want to finish in the top four and that top four is something they want to achieve but you know if you finish in fourth place what do you get not very much you know you get champions league football next season but there's no open top bus parade or there's no medals or, or anything like that And maybe um, that's one of the challenges that Unai Emery is facing at this moment in time is making sure that his players are as focused for the Premier League games as they are for the Europa League games. Because when you get to quarterfinal stage, you think semifinal, where, you know, we can get to semifinal, that's two games. And if we get to a final, then, you know, anything can happen. We can win finals. We've done that. You know, I, I don't think it's a conscious thing. I'd say it's a subconscious thing. I'm not uh, suggesting that is to uh, to explain what happened at Goodison Park or anything like that. But I do think now going forward, it is going to be super challenging for Emery to make sure that game by game, his players are absolutely switched on and not thinking of the next one, which is why I kind of hold out a little bit more hope uh, of us getting something for from the Watford game than I did, because I think they're, they're in the similar position, aren't they? In that they've got an FA Cup final to look forward to, and none of their yeah. players are going to want to miss an FA Cup final. It isn't to say that they'll go into the Arsenal game and... and uh, and down tools or anything like that. But just in the back of your mind, are you going to go into a 50-50 if you think it's 40-60 against you? You know, those kind of things can make a bit of a difference. So it wouldn't be surprising if the players were a bit more switched towards the Europa League. But, you know, last season that was the case, but there was no chance of us finishing in the top four. Whereas this season there there definitely is. Yeah. That's true. I, ju- I just wondered that watching the team. I just felt like there was a real 
intensity and zeal to their play that hasn't wasn't quite there. I know, but you could you could you could you could suggest that's because we were playing at home, or you could say yeah. it's because we were so bad at Everton. The players wanted Responded. to put that right, and they wanted to respond. So you know, it could be any number of factors going going into that performance last night. You know, in terms of the team. There wasn't a huge amount different from uh, from what we did against Everton. I mean, there was nothing in that in that lineup to. Okay, we've talked about Torreira and Koscielny being back, and I do think Torreira is a, an important part. But you know, there's no reason why the team should have been so sluggish on Sunday against Everton. Personnel aside, you know, El Neni can run, Genduzi can run. They can all chase and harry and press. They didn't against mm. Everton on Sunday. They did last night, and the difference in our performance was was evident. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that is about emphasis and sort of being on the the front foot, you know, and, and really going at Napoli from the start. And they did take the game to them. I was really impressed by that. You know, Emery on the sidelines was sort of almost encouraging Socrates to to look long quite often just to try and get in behind the Napoli defence to try and feed off scraps in the final third and you know I thought we, t- we took the fight to them really encouragingly in the first half the second half they came back into it you know and I thought they had a pretty good period after half time and maybe in some ways they'll have a lot of regrets themselves that they didn't get a goal yeah I think so they will for sure you know the, the chance that they missed late on and away goal would have been hugely important uh, for them, you know, they could have had one at the end of the first half as well. So, you know, that's why I say, look, we could have scored more and we could have taken more chances. But ultimately, the clean sheet is far more important to us than another goal, I think. So um, so that was good. Did you see the bit? You probably didn't see the bit. There was a great bit early on in the game when Emery and, and Juan Carlos Carcedo were having a, a very intense discussion on the bench. Uh, you know, they looked no, like... No, I it. didn't see that. I, I, I heard you make reference to it in your player ratings. What actually happened? Uh, I'm just going to watch it again here. It comes in at 13 minutes. Uh, Emery goes back to the to the sideline. And he's sort of saying, calm down, calm down. Just calm down here. Look, calm down. And Carcedo was saying something to him and he's pointing and Emery's going, look, just calm it down. Relax, relax, relax. And that's like 13 minutes into the game, but they're very, very up for this um, this particular fixture. You know, you could see it. Um, so, you know, he got it. he got it all. He got it all right last night, Emery. You know, you couldn't really argue with any of the decisions that he made. I was a little bit worried when they were announcing the substitutions um, on the on the TV. You know, there, we, we had a picture of Iwobi coming on. Then we had a picture of, uh, uh, who else came on? Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan. It was Mkhitaryan first, then then Iwobi. And they were saying, who's going to come off? And I thought, I thought Lacazette was going to be one of the players who would come off. Um, but then they said, and we believe... It's Mesut Ozil who's coming off. And I was a little bit worried about what the reaction might be because Ozil had been very good, very good in the in the first half in particular. He he really played well and some of the the moves and the, the skill that he showed and nicking the ball away from defenders, not all of it came off for him, but he was really enjoying himself. I was kind of worried that given what's happened in the past sometimes with the reaction to the substitutes, you know, you think about when, when Lacazette was taken off in the past and the crowd 
uh, have let it be known that they don't necessarily agree with the change that was made. I thought it was great that when those two changes did happen, there was nothing but applause for the players going off for what they did rather than any sort of insubordination, if you like, uh, you know, that you're taking off my favourite player. I thought that was really encouraging. Yeah, and I think maybe that's because the fans could see, like Emery, that we needed a bit of a change at that point in the game. Napoli were starting to get, if not on top of us, then certainly sort of level with us within the match. And bringing on Iwobi and Mkhitaryan, and look, it changed the sort of attacking dynamic a bit, but it was also kind of a defensive change. I mean, there were moments where Kalasinac was sort of trotting back after another foray forward, and Iwobi was genuinely sprinting back and positioning himself at left back. Mm. And I don't think Lacazette was... was you know, position. From that point of view, I thought the, the switches made sense. I don't think Uwebi or Mkhitaryan, either of them had a particular, you know, outstanding contribution, but I think they just gave our shape a bit more balance and structure as we as we looked to sort of protect the lead. You know, when the halftime whistle blew, in my mind, I was thinking 2-0 is a really, really good result. Yeah. And at that point, I absolutely would have you know, snap your hand off to take that and take that clean sheet to Naples with no away goals because looking at the way we played and the way they defended, you have to feel we could yeah. go there and score. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think I'll just take slight issue with what you said about Mkhitaryan. He did he did create two really good chances, one for Ramsey and one for Aubameyang. You know, he did have an impact when he came Obama on. One? I, uh, so, I remember the cross for Ramsey. He drove down the middle and he played it, I think maybe with the outside of his foot to Aubameyang. Aubameyang had a shot, which I thought went in. It hit the side netting. And I think you know, some netting, people yeah. some people thought it had gone in. So, you know, from that point of view, again, somebody who didn't really impress at Goodison Park, Mkhitaryan did make an impact. Um, it was a good pullback for Ramsey. I mean, I haven't seen a replay of that. I, I was just in the ground, but I assume... Does the ball just bounce up slightly before he hits it? Uh, let me have a look here and just see. I, I know you said he went to smash it, but from where I was... Um, he tried to sort of snap. sweep it, if you like. like a- just watching it here, I think it does. It's one of those that just very slightly, yeah, it just takes a very slight bobble off the turf uh, before before he hits it. Um, I still think he should score. I mean, afterwards, he had a, a fairly rueful smile, um, you know, in his post-game interview about, you know, yeah. uh, about the chance. But, you know, as he said, uh, clean sheet, 2-0 win. There's really not a great deal we can complain about um, when it comes to, to this game. If you were to... If you were to say after what we saw on Sunday against Everton, we were going to beat Napoli 2-0, I'd have been your hand off for that. Yeah, and it reminded me a little bit of the Chelsea game and the United game that we had earlier in the se- this year, this yeah. calendar year, where we got an early goal in both those instances. And uh, in the Chelsea game, I think it was two first half goals and then we sort of saw that out. And similarly in the United game, you know, we had the Aubameyang penalty late on, but that first goal in these big matches can be so integral. And I think actually under Emery, we have become quite an effective counter-attacking unit. Strangely enough, in home games, you know, when we, particularly in these big matches, when we take the lead, if we do sit off a little bit, we have players who can really hurt the opposition on the break. And I think we've got a bit better at exploiting that. And I think the wing-backs, they help that too, because they're sort of, you know, counter-attacking by their nature. Mm. Uh, but I think we, we did that well last night. Even when Napoli slightly strengthened their grip on the second half, we always had a bit of a, 
a threat on the break. Yeah, again, I think, you know, the changes Emery made, the way he set the team up, uh, it, it worked really well. Um, so, you know, to take so that... So how, go on. how confident are you then? That, that's the big question. Um, that's a good question. Because, I do, you know, I don't want to fall into the trap of, oh, we've won a good game at home, therefore... There's no reason why we can't do it away, having just seen us not do it away five days ago, you know. Uh, I feel like I would be foolish to be overly confident. However, I'm slightly overly confident now. Really? I don't think I am. I mean, I wanted 10-0, didn't I? Yeah, but I mean, do you you feel like we can score in Napoli? Um... I, I feel like we ought to be able to, looking at the two teams last night, but... I can't escape the fact that we went to Everton and didn't really look mm. like scoring for the vast majority of that game. Yeah. Uh, apart from another over the bar from Aaron Ramsey, yeah. interestingly. But well, uh, yeah, okay. I praised his finishing, but there you go. Sure. Okay, I think, you know, we we do have another Arsecast Extra, of course, on Tuesday, at which point yeah. we can look ahead a bit more clearly to the, to the game against Napoli in Napoli, we will be able to uh, properly assess what kind of team he might be able to put out based on who he's picked against uh, Watford, uh, whether we've got any injuries. So I think we might leave discussion of the, the second leg until Tuesday. Um, I think that makes that makes a bit more sense, our chances uh, for the yeah. second leg. So we'll leave it to there. Anything else you want to discuss uh, about last night's game in part one? Uh, not much, really. I mean, did you pay attention to the other results in the draw last night? Uh, I, I had a half an eye on the Villarreal Valencia game. Yeah. Uh, because obviously we are going to play the winners of, of that particular tie. Santi Cazorla scored a penalty for Villarreal to make it 1-1 at their stadium. But I think Valencia scored twice late on. So they take the advantage into the second leg. 3-1 uh, winners. Uh, who would I prefer to play? I'd prefer to play Villarreal than play Valencia, to Same. be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, not simply because of the the Santi Cazorla situation. I would love for us to see Santi Cazorla again back at the Emirates and and for the fans to be able to to give him a, a real warm welcome. But you know, Valencia are, are in the top half of La Liga. Villarreal are in trouble down at the bottom half. They're they're scrapping away to avoid relegation and I feel like that might be the primary focus for their season, you know, rather than the, the Europa League. Um, so I think I'd rather play them than, than Valencia, but it looks a bit more like it's going to be Valencia. Chelsea, of course, uh, they won. Um, what was the other game in the other side of that draw? Well, uh, just quickly on Valencia. I mean, I know we're all excited about the, the prospect of a reunion with Santi Cazorla, but what about Francis Coquelin's homecoming, Andrew? Come on, have a heart. And Gabriel <laughs> Palista, no less. Gabriel, yeah, um, of course, yeah. But uh, on the other side of the draw, you had Chelsea, of course, beat Slavia Prague 1-0 um, away from home. So you've got to think they've got a very good chance of progressing there. And then Benfica beat Frankfurt 4-2. Okay. Uh, so it's looking like potentially a, a Benfica 
Chelsea semi, but two away goals for Frankfurt. They won't count themselves out of it just yet. No, no. Okay, well, look, we'll see. We are getting ahead of ourselves. Second legs to play and then semi-finals before we can start considering all the other bits and pieces. So, look, we'll we'll do that on Tuesday. Uh, for now, though, we'll take a break. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. if you'd like to bid farewell to 2020. Now, use that same hand to celebrate the new year with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code NEWYOU at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where James definitely does not have a Wii on the floor. It's his tap. Also the part in which we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter. I'm going to blog an Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. And also on the uh, Arsblog members Patreon Discord server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. You can ask questions in there and we will uh, pick a couple of those every week uh, to ask uh, in this part of the show. So, would you like to go first, or will I go first, or, or what do you think? What do you think? I'll go first, shall yeah. I? And we'll have a question uh, from the Discord. Uh, it's from John Foster, actually. And he says, Goodly bloody morning, chaps. Uh, I know neither of you would wish ill on another human, but on a scale of one to Socrates's face, <laughs> how sad are you about Harry Kane's left ankle? <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that uh, Socrates' face is seen as the... the Ten for sad. <laughs> yeah, as possibly the saddest thing that there could possibly be. Yeah. Um, I, you know, look, I, I can't say that I'm unhappy, but also I'm mm. cognizant of the fact that when he was injured earlier in the season, Spurs won a lot of games. And everyone said, well, they're really going to miss Harry Kane. And they didn't necessarily mm. miss... Harry Kane. I thought there was something quite interesting in the fact that he tried to go in and, and clatter Fabian Delph and got himself injured. You know, I've got no sympathy really whatsoever, but I'm not going to sit here and waste too much time talking about Harry Kane. That's my that's my feeling on this one. Did you watch the, the Spurs-Man City game? I did. I did. And I was really so. disappointed. I have yeah. to say. <laughs> I really was. I thought Man City were going to be better. I mean, I know I said this in the blog, but they really do remind me sometimes of that clip from The Simpsons where their, you know, soccer is on and it's just one midfielder passing to another midfielder, passing to another midfielder and back mm. and forward and back. You know, I, I, I see a lot of um, really great players and, and clearly they're a fantastic team, but they're, they're boring. Do you find them boring? I do, yeah. yeah. I find everything about Man City boring. Yeah. Because, 
I think it's partly the sort of financial element. You know, it sort of feels uh, like a default that they're really good because they just bought everybody. Yeah. Um, and I do find Guardiola's football a little bit sort of soporific. Yeah, I mean, when you don't have an absolute genius like Messi, you know, it's like a it's like a beautiful cake, but Messi iced the cake, if you like. It's a cake with no icing. It's a cake with no icing. It's a perfectly cromulent, tasty, functional cake, and it's precision. Every cake is the same. Mm. Perfectly round, perfectly baked, nice and moist, but there's no icing. And I I like icing. I like icing. It's often the best bit. Give me a slice with lots of icing on it. Yeah. Ideally. Some people don't like icing. I mean, I think they're yeah. absolutely insane. But, um, I do. I, do. I, I like icing. I mean, icing on cakes is basically the same as the skin on Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Sure. It's the delicious bit. On yeah. that much, we agree. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I find City like a sort of very efficient footballing computer, you know, but I mm. don't find it exciting yeah. or enthralling. No, there's not it much... It doesn't move me. Yeah, there's not much personality, is there? You know, um, so... Or what little personality no. there is is just like. Ugh. Also, like, do that many of their players have much personality? Like, when you look at it, they're not like Aguero is obviously like a fantastic player, and he sort of shouldn't count against him. But he's not exactly sort of Ian Wright, is he? In the charisma stage? <laughs> no, I mean, they, they, there's a lot of fairly bland individuals in that team. Kevin De Bruyne, you know, great footballer, sure. but like, man, I'd say he's up there with. With all due respect to the man, and I love him, you know I love him, but, you know, Aaron Ramsey, <laughs> is, mm-hmm. you know, the post-match interviews are always uh, fairly tame. But look, let's stop talking about Manchester City and how boring they are. Let's talk about something else. This is an interesting question, also from the Discord. It comes from KT underscore football, and he says, should Emery persist with playing Petr Cech in Naples? His distribution was atrocious last night, and Leno has been one of the shining lights of the season. Surely the needs of the club come first. Hmm. Mm. Well, there was an interesting moment. I don't know if the cameras picked this up in the first half, where Czech had cleared the ball upfield. I think he went long, and Arsenal had sort of not retained the ball. And I think it ended up with Napoli breaking and having a shot at goal. And Socrates sort of came over to check and sort of made a sort of calm down gesture with his hands. He sort right. of put his hands out as if to be like, take your time, slow down. And Czech really bit back at him, which is very unusual for Czech. You know, he really had a, a crack at back at him and there was a bit right. of back and forth between them. And in that, you know, I just sensed that from the defenders, particularly I think from Socrates, who plays that wide centre-back, you know, was often getting the ball in those scenarios and having to sort of deal with it. There was a little bit of impatience with Czech. And I think you did see that they are more comfortable with Leno. You know, they are more comfortable technically with Leno with the ball at his feet. Despite that, I thought Czech did what he had to do yesterday pretty well. Yeah. Um, and there were actually a couple of times where he came for crosses and I, and punched them clear and got really good clearance on them. And I thought, I don't know if I would have as much confidence as Leno in those situations. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort yeah. of, there's, there's good and bad, I think, in Czech. What was your assessment? I didn't think, I didn't particularly notice Czech's distribution being bad last night. Um, 
No, it wasn't. I mean, it was better, I think, than it has been. I mean, there was one yeah. very nice clip pass out to, I think it was Montreal or Kolasinac on yeah. the left wing. Um, Look, I think I think it's obvious Leno is more comfortable with the ball at his feet mm-hmm. and maybe the defenders are more comfortable with Leno with the ball at his feet. Um and it's it's a it's one of those really interesting situations where Czech is our Europa League goalkeeper now, having lost his place in the Premier League. Uh, and the romantic side of all this is him playing his final game as a professional in a final in Baku, potentially against Chelsea, his old club, and somehow putting in a a man of the match performance or making a penalty save or or doing something that that wins us the trophy you know that is the romantic um outcome that we would all i think i'd love to see that i mean i would have uh, i would have a lot of joy in seeing that obviously because we've won the trophy and and for Czech, who i think is really one of the one of the nicest guys in football um, regardless of the years that he spent at chelsea I think he's a, a really good guy, a great professional, a, a great example to to many of the players who are at this club right now. And he, he does uh, enormous credit for this club in, in the way that he behaves and comports himself. And some of the things that he does off the field are, are really uh, fantastic. Uh, the other side of that for me is that when you are in a cup final, when you're about to play a game that can win you a trophy, you pick your strongest team. And if Bernd Leno is considered the number one goalkeeper at the club, then I think, romanticism aside, he should play. And I remember we did this, we had this very same discussion, didn't we, before the FA Cup final in 2017. We We had the live arsecast, and it was the same thing. It was like, look, Ospina all due credit to you for playing your part in getting us to the FA Cup final in the games that we've played, you know, leading up to Wembley. But Petr Cech was then the the number one goalkeeper at the club. He was the guy playing week in, week out in the Premier League. And to my mind, he should have started that FA Cup final. We won it and Wenger's decision was justified. I don't think Ospina was particularly good on the day. He was really soft for Diego Costa's goal and, you know, had that had that had a more negative impact, you know, without Aaron Ramsey scoring a cup final winner again, you know, we would have been we would have been discussing that in a serious way. Uh so I think if there's there's leeway when you make a decision based on what's best for the what's best for the club and what's best for the team. Right, because if you pick Leno and Leno does something wrong, at least you have the fallback of saying, "Well, look, he's my number one goalkeeper. We picked our strongest team to win a, a cup or win a trophy. It didn't work out." If you pick a guy who you consider inferior, even if it's only marginally, then you don't give yourself that get out. I mean, look, I I, I like Petrček a lot, but if it was coming down to a choice between our number one goalkeeper and a guy who's retiring at the end of the season as wonderful and all as it would be for him to go out in that romantic incredible way I'd I'd pick Leno I'd advocate the picking of Leno and I'm not sure I'm fully into this idea of having you know European goalkeeper and Premier League goalkeeper No I mean I suppose the one thing I would have to say is that I don't think there's a, the gap in quality between Leno and Czech sure. is, is the same as I it get was that, when yeah. Fair enough. 
Um, but I do hear what you're saying, and I, I understand the concern. I mean, it was interesting, under Wenger, you always felt like he was really... This was a, an act of principle, you know, and I wonder, would Emery be more pragmatic? My suspicion is maybe he would be. Uh, mm. Especially because he's sort of trying to establish himself at the club and looking to potentially win a first trophy. I wonder if he might be prepared to be a little bit colder in his decision-making. Because if you are being cold about it, there's no decisions to be made, the number one place. Mm. Um, and it, it would be harsh on Czech having, if he was to play every game and reach the, the final. But how could, you do, how could you look Petr Czech in the eye and tell him you're not playing in the final? Like, how could yeah. you? I know that's the job of the manager and that's why you're paid all that money, but man, it'd be like it'd be like hitting a puppy or something. It would be awful. Sure, but I, I guess this is the manager who, you know, on his first week in the job, told Jack Wilshere he's not getting a new contract, who, you know, presumably had some part in these Ramsey negotiations, who told Mesut Ozil he wasn't playing week after week. I, yeah. I think this is a guy who probably could do that. Um and that's probably partly why he's been a bit unpopular some places he's been. But I think he could make an unpopular choice. I don't think it would be unpopular with the fans. As much as they respect Petr Cech, I think the fans would always want to see the best possible team play the game. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's a difficult decision. And I do think the fact that we're in, we're in the Europa League as well creates this this two-tiered goalkeeping system. You know, if you're playing in the Champions League, do you not play your best goalkeeper? I know it's become slightly common practice across Europe and, and it's uh, it's a consequence of having to have two goalkeepers or a good goalkeeper as backup. But, you know, for me, if you've got a number one and the number one is, you know, uh, fairly undisputed, which it appears to be at this moment in time, and it's not changing, obviously, because Czech is retiring, I think you go with the number one. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because... You're right. If we're in the Champions League next season, it's Leno's playing Premier League and Champions League and yeah. whoever's number two has to make do with the domestic cups. Yeah. And that's that. That's fine. I mean, even, that kind of even distinction. Even when you get like to the little... final of those, yeah. there's a discussion to be had. But I think any I, game in which potentially you can win a trophy and you don't pick your, your best team, you're, you're opening yourself up to, to criticism. I take your point, though, that the gap between Leno and Czech is not as significant as the gap between Czech and Ospina, for sure. No, no. But uh, I do wonder if, you know, Czech's going to go, isn't it, at the end of the season? I wonder if there'll be a clearer hierarchy yeah. next season in terms of who the number two is, whether it's Emi Martinez, who's by all accounts doing very, very well at Reading, or mm. whether it's someone else who we, we bring in. I don't see us going out spending, you know, 20 million on a, a number two to compete with Leno. I think Leno's done enough to be the established number one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's have a question. It's a perennial question. It's one that keeps coming up. It's around class and action. I've got two questions, actually. Um, so Tom Woolsgrove on Twitter says, I can't detach myself from the conclusion that Kolasinac should be a backup left-back or left-wing-back. I know he's performed admirably at times this season. It just feels like someone we need someone with a higher defensive IQ and more guile going forward. What are your thoughts? And then just for contrast, NSK Gunner says, what do you think 
what do you think? Does Kohler have the qualities to stay our first choice left wing back or left back? He's pretty limited, but what fascinates me is that he is able to always play to his strengths. I mean, is he always able to play to his strengths? Or is it just that his strengths are the things that we notice more? I mean, he is quite an imposing figure. So when he bombs down the left and puts in a cross, you know, everyone's like, ooh, look at him. He's doing it again. Mm. I, you know, I would be definitely happy if we were to go out and sign a left back. For right. sure. I mean, I quite like Kolasinac. I worry a little bit about Monreal, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what the what the um, contractual situation with Monreal is. There was a report a couple of weeks, or well, a couple of months back, that we were going to take up the option to give him another year, but mm. that hasn't been uh, made official. So we're now, you know, mid-April. Maybe it's a case that Monreal's contract runs out at the end of this season, I think. So... It could well be a case that we're um, that we're looking for a left back. You know, I, I I like some of what Kalasinac does. I think I'd still have question marks about him as a as a defender. Uh, yeah, his contract is um, until this year, and there's some links with Monreal with some clubs back in Spain as well. So um, I think we should be in the market for for a left back. I I I would like maybe when we're talking about Kalasinac to see. A little bit more subtlety in his what, delivery. When he, when he arrives at the byline. Yeah. Like, he gets there and you go, I know what he's going to do here. He's going to smash it across goal as hard as he can. Which he does eight or nine times out of ten. Sometimes he'll pull it back. And there was actually a really uh, clever pass from him in the first half, I think. We took a corner. And the that ball was a came great to him. Routine. Yeah, and he, he just played it first time to Aubameyang. A really nicely weighted pass. You know, so mm. it's not like he has to be Hulk smash all the time. You know, I think he is capable of a bit more, but we don't see it often enough. I, I just have too many doubts about him defensively uh, as a left back. Um, and I wonder if, you know, if it's a case we want to be able to properly flick between a back three and a back four next season, for example. We don't really have a left back who can do the job as well as we would like. Like, I think Emery is a bit disinclined to use Kolasinac as a left back, isn't he? I think so. We have seen it uh, a couple of times, but... And he's he's done a bit better recently in it. I've always been of the mind that I probably would extend Monreal's contract. I know there are some concerns over him physically, but I do just think he's a class act defensively. I mean, there are, there are things he does on the ball. He's so good uh, on the ball. I think it's a really underrated element of his game. I, I think as a centre-half, uh, in a three, I like him on the left-hand side. And I like Kolasinac as a left wing-back. I think it is the left-back in the four where there's a bigger question mark. Kolasinac is a bit like... Have you seen the film Moneyball? Yeah. But don't ask me to... I know that the fat guy was in it and Brad Pitt, right? Sure, sure. But there's like... Well, basically the thrust of it, I mean, it's obviously based on the book and it's based on the reality of Billy Bean, is that uh, they sort of acquire all these players who, you know, seem like oddballs, you know? Like, I I can't remember the specifics, but like they sign a pitcher who's got no hands and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like, this guy, he hits the ball really far, but his 
faces on backwards. And all the, all the traditional <laughs> scouts are like, you can't sign him. Look, at his eyes are facing the wrong way. His they're goddamn faces on yeah. backwards. You can't sign this guy. He got seven legs. And they're like, don't worry. You just wait till you see him run. It's basic. That's the movie, right? Right. And I feel like with Kalasanach, <laughs> you know, there was like a meeting where they were like, we've got this guy for left back or left wing back. His numbers are amazing, but he looks like a professional wrestler and he can't really, he can only run in one direction. And everyone was like, this guy is an idiot. You can't sign him, you know, and yeah. you sign him. And he, yeah, he is sort of very useful at a very specific thing. I think Kalasnatch is sort of a money ball wing back where he's sort of better value than he looks because he's incredibly effective at, at one thing. And it's that driving run and smash across the box. Um, mm. And I sort of think where we are as a club, we probably have to make do and mend to a certain extent with players like that. But like you, if, I mean, if you're offering me uh, an Ashley Cole in his prime, undoubtedly that's a, a better option. Uh, well, than who's the, the the guy? Oh, I think we have a question here who mentioned him. One second. Um, ah, Lewis Hutchinson at Team Lewis 04, uh, who says, bit early for transfer speculation, but are there links that have you excited? This is a slightly separate question. You can go back to it. I think Umtiti would be excellent, albeit unlikely. Don't know too much about Talia Fico, who I also see getting linked. He, of course, mm. is a left back, uh, for plays Ajax. for Ajax, and he's Argentinian, is he not? He is an Argentine. Argent- 26 years Argentine old. left back. What could go wrong? <laughs> uh, yes, it has got a hint of the the vivaces about it. But no, he, by all accounts, has had a terrific season. We were linked with another Ajax player this week in the Telegraph. Did you see that yesterday? Um, the Brazilian winger who scored against Juventus. Did you just I, say we were linked with another Argentinian player and then call him a Brazilian winger, or was that? Oh, sorry, I meant to say another Ajax player. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the Brazilian winger whose name escapes me. Uh, Arsenal, Ajax, winger. He scored against Juve. Neres? Neres, that's it. Yeah. £35 million. I mean, so is Talia Fico one of the names that excites you to I, refer I, back I, to the question? I don't know. I mean, look, he, he, he would be a reasonable buy, wouldn't he? Playing mm. okay for a good Ajax team. I, you know, I can't say I've ever watched him uh, in any great detail. Uh, but, you know, if he's one of the names that's on the list and he's gettable, then, you know, I, I do think left back is somewhere we need to make a decision or we need to make a purchase this summer. Uh, and Kalasinac is a squad player. Absolutely on board with that. Absolutely. But first choice for me, I'm not 100% sure. Not if we want to play with a back four. Right. Yeah, I'm very happy with him on the, as the wing back in a in a in a five, definitely. But I, I think, yeah, I sort of am. I mostly am. I mostly am. But interestingly, I sort of mainly am if you have Monreal behind him, because or someone like a Monreal. Yeah, but we had you, that yesterday, and they got all this space down their right hand side in the second half. Yeah, true. So I see. You know, I, I do see what you're saying, but the reality of how effective it is was sort of there to see. Uh, yeah, what I'm sort of saying is that to get away with Klasnach, you almost need another left-back yeah. behind him. Yeah, um, which kind of says a lot. 
Yeah, so for example, <laughs> Rob Holding is someone who has been playing on the left-hand side of our, our three central defenders when he was fit. And I, I, I would worry about Rob Holding getting dragged out into those wide positions to cover for Kolasinac, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, just going back to that question, any other of the transfer links that have excited you? Or have you even started getting into those yet? I have to admit that, you know, given the fact we're still in April, there's this hectic schedule, we're scrapping for top four, we're still in the Europa League, and we're going fairly quickly from game to game. I haven't really been looking at who we've been linked with, because I think at this point of the season, it can often be, you know, bollocks, as it is yeah, during I mean, the I'm summer. taking it with a pinch of salt, especially given that we haven't got a technical director in place. Um, did you see Sven Mislintat has turned up? Yes, at Stuttgart. Stuttgart, yeah. Which I think tells you that, I mean, he really wanted to be a technical director somewhere, didn't he? Yeah. And Stuttgart are not in a great position, are they, in the Bundesliga there? I think they're not in the Bundesliga, is that right? Uh, I think they might be in Bundesliga too. Really? Um, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, Did they not come up last season? Yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're... Yeah, because what's his name? Was that not where Takuma Asano went on loan last season? Oh, very possibly. Very possibly. Did you um, see he's now not being played by... So they don't have to buy him. Yeah, so they don't have to either pay any more money for him. I think it was Hanover. That's where he is, isn't it? Hanover 96. And yeah, still not- got her in the, rele- in the relegation zone in the Bundesliga. Mm. Yeah, they've got a, a bit of a, a job to do to get out of that. But, yeah, I don't know. Does is- that say something about Mislintat? Does it say something about the amount of jobs that are on offer at this moment in time? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it says more about the role that he wanted. Do you know what I mean? I think he probably, mm. if he said, I'm happy to go and be a chief scout or head of recruitment, I think he probably could have gone pretty much anywhere he wanted. But to get the power and you know, the scope that comes with being a technical director, I think that probably limited his options. Is is Ospina in the same situation, by the way, as Asano, in that Napoli don't really want to play him because they might have to buy him? I don't know. I, there was some talk about that, all right, yeah. but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I think there may be a clause. Uh, they might not be. want to play him just because they don't want to play him, though. Sure, know, sure, that could also be a factor. Uh, I'm trying good. to think about names. I mean... Not ones that have been linked very seriously. Uh, you know, I'm very much aboard the sort of Nicola Pepe hype train. That sounds like a very exciting thing, but sounds sort of too exciting to actually happen for Arsenal. He feels like one of those players who every club in Europe is going to be looking at. So Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll wait. We shall see. see. We've got loads of time to spend on... We've got a whole summer to spend wondering uh, about I've that. got a question for you now, but I like this uh, comment from Salman Tariq. Uh, on Facebook, who says, do you think the commentators for the Napoli game will find a way of describing the contrast of our home away form as Neapolitan ice cream, all pink and happy at one end and brown at the other? (laughs) (laughs) So I do like that. If they do, we'll have to accuse them of plagiarism. That's Uh, very good. Okay. Uh, This question comes from Angus Kwong, at Angus underscore Kwong. He says, we play two away games versus Watford and Napoli in three days. How do you approach them? Very, very carefully. <laughs> um, the Watford game feels massive to me. It really does, because I just think if we were to go there and lose, I almost can't say it, but if we were to lose, yeah, they're not. if we were to lose, they're having lost against Everton, I think it would really mm. 
That's it, it isn't down. it, for top four? Oh, no. Like, if, uh, we lose, if we lose against Watford, I think that's it for top four. Do you? Yeah. I think it, it, it pretty much is. I think if we won every game from then on, we would have an outside shot of it. But we're putting ourselves in a very difficult position because we've got to go to Wolves, we've got to go to Leicester... Well, I mean, got to go to Burnley. Yeah, and then, you know, you, you go back to what we were talking about earlier, where if we lose, if we lose against yeah, Watford, if we lose against Watford yeah, okay. just don't say it too loud. But if that were to happen, the focus thing we were talking about earlier becomes much more an issue, doesn't it? That's true. You know, yeah. the players will then think, ah, we fucked it. We pretty much fucked it here we by... It, but we could win we this cup. We lost to Watford, so we yeah, yeah. But... We're still in the Europa League and we could, you know, win a trophy and get into the Champions League that way. And I think pragmatically, if we're talking about Emery as a pragmatist and somebody who's made decisions based on that, I think I think that it would have not quite the same impact as the end of last season had on us, but not not something too dissimilar. Well, and he's a Europa League specialist, of course, you know, he yeah. loves that competition and uh, yeah, I could see his emphasis shifting. Um, I forgot what the question was. What's the question? The question was, how do you approach these two games? Like, let's um, uh, let's let's talk about the team then that you okay. would pick. Okay, that's a good way of looking at it. So, um, do you I, so do you change the sure. back four or five? Do you change that? Uh, well, you haven't got Socrates. Oh, yes, so. of course. So you do change it. Um, and you've uh, only got are one you going to ask Koscielny to play? I guess you have to ask Koscielny to play. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah. you do. Um, so your options are... The thing is, I don't really want to go to a back four with Mustafi and Koscielny as my central defensive pairing. So I think I do stick with the back three with Koscielny in the middle, Mustafi and Monreal either side. Yeah. Uh, then I would go... I mean, the wing-backs are the wing-backs. I don't think there's any opportunity really to change them. Oh, God, it's a lot of... I mean, you know, three or four players, I saw Tim Stillman saying, uh, I, I was on my way out of the ground, but we're down with cramp at full-time after the Napoli game. Yeah, I mean, that is... It is a consideration. You know, I think we're going to look at the team at Watford and people are going to go, oh, fuck, shit. Oh, I don't like that. But I think there are actually physical issues dictating team selection that we're not privy to. You know, so on paper, if everybody's 100% fit, then, of course, you don't pick that team. But the reality is that you're you're playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, or sorry, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, then you're playing again next Sunday, is it, against Crystal Palace? Then you're, yeah. you know, potentially playing, and you know... Then you're playing Wednesday. Then you're playing on the Wednesday, our game in hand, you know. So whether we like it or not, and I think there are going to be some team selections and some decisions that we won't like, it's not because Emery thinks all of a sudden El Elneny is better than Torreira or Ramsey. It's because he has to take care of the fitness of the players that he has for the games that he feels like they're more important in. Well, look who came off early, Lacazette and Ozil. Do you think that's any indication? Do you think they might play at Watford? 
Mm, I don't know if Ozil will. I don't think Ozil will play against Watford and against Napoli next week. I think if you were to ask me to pick Ozil for an away game, it will be Napoli more than more than Watford. Do you think it might be an away be a Mkhitaryan game, Watford? Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably is. I think it's going to be a more practical team. One with perhaps a bit less flair and one with a bit more legs against Watford. Yeah. But I do uh, think, I do, I genuinely think, um, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that we take a cautious approach against Watford because I think one of the things that Emery needs to do is to, again, be pragmatic. How much can he, in these three weeks, make this team defensively more secure? I would suggest not not much not at all. Not very much. Not very no. much at all, right? Um, he's got an issue with, with some of his personnel at the back anyway going into the Watford game. I really think that without necessarily going all guns blazing and all out attack or anything like that, I feel like the approach to try and change this away form should be positive from an attacking point of view. So I know the temptation when you go to Watford is maybe to to play with two, you know, deeper line midfielders. I think play an attacking lineup doesn't have to necessarily include Mesut Ozil if you have doubts about him away from home, which, you know, he does and has done and probably will do for for this particular Watford game. You know, you can match them physically, but you can match it with uh, attacking players who who are a bit more um, able to do that side of the the job than than Ozil is. I really think that he's got to, he's just got to have a fucking go. And I'd rather see us lose away from home with a team that's been sent out to attack Watford and to attack Wolves and to attack Leicester and to attack Burnley than to go, ooh, will we just try and hold it and nick a goal and see if we can hang on? That would frustrate me. If we go for it, you know, with an attacking team, then Kesarasara, you know? But I, I don't know what else he can try going into this game. Or yeah, these, these you games, you know? Yeah, the, the tricky thing is that... What we've been doing in the home games is having a back three but getting an extra attacking player on the field by playing Ramsey uh, as one of the two deeper midfielders, right? And that sort of gives us that uh, fourth attacking player. But when people talk about the away form, quite often they cite uh, the Spurs game. They're like, oh, well, we were excellent in the Spurs game. We played so well that day. But on that day, Ramsey played off the striker he wasn't in the mm. deep I, I forget was it Ganduzi and Shaka maybe mm. um, I, I'm not I entirely remember. sure but I think it was with Ramsey and Mkhitaryan off uh, Lacazette and we played with a back four actually in that match so I can't quite figure out if I'm worried about playing Aaron Ramsey in all these games yeah. but I also can't figure out a way to kind of have this setup that's been very effective at home replicated away without him. Um, mm. It's a really, really tricky one. One thing I would say is that, and this is a, a sort of an odd, potentially an odd sort of uh, flag to plant, but I would be starting Alex Awobi in most away games. I feel like he is someone who has physicality that we really 
need mm. on the road. And I think Torero is another who, who can do that. You yeah. Know? It's interesting that Iwobi hasn't quite been featuring yeah. uh, as much of late. And that's because Ramsey's in the team and uh, Ozil's in the team and, and everything else. But I do wonder if there's an element of perhaps, you know, recharging his batteries, just taking him out of the spotlight a little bit and then, you know, using him in, in some of these away games. Um, but... Yeah, look, we, we know what Watford are going to do. We know how they're going to play. Uh, you know, Troy Deeney will go up and try and win the first header and all that kind of stuff. You know, I wish we had Socrates uh, to play in this particular game. We don't. We're going to have to make do with what we've got. And I just think that there is... I'm not saying ignore the defensive side of the game. You know, that's, that's ludicrous. You you need to be organized. You can do things that make you defensively stronger in terms of how you're organized and how you, how you uh, you know, close down the opposition and deny them space. And even, you know, you can defend on the front foot. You can defend high up the pitch, you know, the, the striker being the first defender and all that kind of stuff. But I really feel like at this point, it's like we're so bad away from home. It's like, fuck it. Fuck it. You know, let's let's just have a let's just have a good go. Um, so we've 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 danced around it, but can you have any go at picking an eleven? Uh, I think maybe Xhaka will be back, so we could see Xhaka and Torreira with the same back five that played last night. Of course, Mustafi I think will come in for Socrates for and Leno for Czech. Leno for Czech. Um, Xhaka Torreira, I think he'll do. It will be Mkhitaryan and one of the strikers. Um, and do you think that has enough? You know, talking about sort of attacking emphasis and mm, going for it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, it depends. You know how we approach the game, because you can talk about the a back five, but it could be a back three or a three-four-three. And if you get your wing backs, if you get Kalasinac and Maitland-Niles as involved. Uh, at Watford as they were last night, then they're basically attacking players or they can really contribute to the attack. But it's making sure that they get the ball in the right positions and they can expose the, you know, the Watford defenders down their, down their particular side. So it, it could be. It could be. Um, the other option I, is a back four. But yeah. then I have, you know, Monreal at left back, I've got, you know, not, not real worries about, but Maitland-Niles at right back, as opposed to right wing back, I'm a little bit unsure of. So, yes, I know. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about how much football we're asking Maitland Niles to play. To be honest, I know he's very fit. I know he's young, but mm. um, you know he could he could be looking at yeah. I don't know. Was it like four games in just over a week almost? Ah, look, yeah. it's massive Watford. It really, really is a huge, huge game, and it's a big weekend actually because. Um, there's a big fixture in the Premier League. Is it Chelsea? You've got Liverpool. Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, that's on that's on Sunday. Sunday. Chelsea go to to Anfield. Tottenham are going to beat Huddersfield, as we know. Um, Manchester United are going to beat West Ham. Mm-hmm. So by the time we play on Monday night, you know we could be what five points behind Tottenham. Yeah. You know, so the pressure is well and truly on. The pressure is well and truly on. I mean, the only thing is. It is a cliche to say it. We are in that kind of every game is a cup final territory at this point. Of course, you know? yeah. So, so if there are worries about focus, it's it's literally let's just do this one game at a time and make decisions about the next game once we play that that other game. You know. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So we'll see. All right. Well, look, we better leave it there. I know you've got to run off this morning. We uh, have got an Arsenal-free weekend. It's Monday night, so we'll be back with an Arscast Extra on Tuesday morning. We'll be looking back at the Watford game. Hopefully, we won't be whispering in any way. Uh, we'll be... <laughs> we'll be uh, Shouting from the rooftops. Yes, let's, let's hope so. And then looking ahead to the Napoli game. So please join us for that. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Um, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.